Most folks have heard that fact that's, that's going around, that bees are responsible for every third bite of food we eat, and that is entirely true. Uh, without bees, um, our plates would be lacking in uh, color, flavor, nutrients. In addition to what bees do um, and other pollinators, they not only uh, contribute to our food system, they uh, contribute to plant reproduction, the uh, genetic diversity, and just the overall health of our eco- ecosystem. Well, you mentioned bees. What are the other most common pollinators? Well, when it comes to food plants, um, bees are no doubt the most efficient. I think people would be surprised to hear that flaws and moths and even bats also do some food pollination. Uh, when we say flies, we're not meaning house flies, but any number of, of uh, insects in, the, you know, in that um, order. Um, there are uh, like hover flies. Uh, lots of times, in fact, um, people will mistake hover flies on their plants because they look so much like bees. So it, it's, um, you know, it's, it's just not bees, but uh, when it comes to food, we, we do have the bees to thank for that. I realize it's elementary, but I think it's also important to reinforce in people some of the principles here, and we're seeing more and more over the years a necessity for people to participate, even on a small scale, in planting for pollinators. And why is that? What's happened to their habitat? Well, I think we're uh, when we're faced with millions of acres in lost habitat, um, we have to maybe look to gardeners. I think collectively gardeners control a lot of land, and uh, maybe one garden won't won't do that. But uh, when you you put thousands and perhaps millions of gardens, we can make up for this habitat loss simply by planting more food. And for bees and other pollinators, food equals flowers. Are there common plants that most pollinators will use? How does that work in the world of pollination? Native plants are, are very important, but when it comes to honeybees, um, honeybees are not native species. They were imported here. And so while native plants are important, honeybees can use a a number of introduced or maybe what we call more common garden plants. Uh, When it comes to native plants, I think like there's a top five in my list that uh, milkweed, aster, goldenrod, salvia, and liatris are are great uh, plant families from which to pick uh, plants for pollinators. Um, but then when it comes down to just old-fashioned garden flowers, zinnias and cosmos, verbena, things like that are great plants for, for um, feeding your little bees in your, in your garden. Are most plants that pollinators use plants that require a lot of sun? Um, I'm afraid they do. When it comes to uh, pollinators like bees and butterflies, they are um, like little solar-powered um critters um they uh solar powered creatures they um do their best work when it's warm um usually they they don't uh function until you know we're up into the 60s um bumblebees and some native bees can can uh, operate in lower temperatures in the 50s but you do need lots of sun uh, for the most part, that, that's where you're going to find um, your most activity. Walk us through the process of what a gardener needs to consider if they want to be pollinator-friendly, especially now that it's springtime. There's three important things. Uh, the first is plant more flowers. Um, there's, there's kind of a, 
uh, a trend towards using more and more foliage. Uh, there's a lot of attractive foliage plants out there. Landscapers like to use them because they are, they're low maintenance and they're always kind of what, what I want to say is they're always on. We don't have to wait for them to bloom. But it's, it's really important that we, uh, we go back to planting more flowers. Um, some people think that's kind of a, a grandma-style garden, but the more flowers, the more, the more uh, good things you're doing for pollinators. Um, and I think that you should consider not only just that, like I think people think of like the perennial border or that little flower bed as, oh, over there, that's the pollinator garden. Well, you should consider your entire yard. You should think of flowering trees, shrubs, vines, ground covers. There are lots of opportunities to have flowering plants. And the more uh, different structure of plants you have, the more chance you're going to have something blooming for the entire season because otherwise you uh, you get gaps where there's, there's just simply nothing blooming there. And then uh, the pollinators have to go in and look for something else somewhere else that makes their lives harder. Um, the second thing is avoid pesticide use. And that, that might seem like a, a very simple blanket statement. And uh, But I think that um, gardeners tend to think that they need to do something when they see damage on their plants. They need to get something done. Uh, or otherwise they're not a good gardener. But they should actually kind of step back and try to identify that creature before they just grab a spray can and, um, you know, and just spray willy-nilly and think that that will take care of the problem because even though a can may say it's spider spray, um, there's always going to be collateral damage. That spray doesn't know to only hit spiders. Um, beneficial insects, including pollinators, will be uh, damaged in the process. So what I like to say is, you know, make sure you actually have to spray if you're going to. And if you do spray when pollinators are not active, and that is usually uh, evenings or um, late, early, early, early morning um, before they're out. And uh, lots of times I think there's, um, you, you need to decide what, what is your damage threshold for insect uh, pest problems. Um, lots of times plants will regrow and uh, other times um, hopefully some of their insect that uh, is going to come in there and eat the, the, the pest will show up eventually. I tend to just sit back and see what happens and usually Mother Nature resolves itself. <laughs>